0: We are continuing to examine the Ten Commandments together. We are looking at the Eighth Commandment, which is the commandment regarding stealing. Let me read to you specifically what that commandment is in Exodus chapter 20, verse 15. Stated simply and shortly, You shall not steal. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we pray that as we come together to examine your word this morning, that you would give us wisdom through the power of your Holy Spirit to consider these things in such a way that your word would have its effect in charting the course of our lives, in touching and altering our daily activities, so that we might walk in holiness and righteousness, and that we might shun disobedience and evil. Lord, as we examine your word together, I pray that my words would be faithful in keeping with your word, because your word alone is holy and just and righteous and partakes of all the attributes of your nature. In Jesus' name, amen. From Luke chapter 3, beginning with verse 7, and then skipping and reading several verses from later on in the passage, This passage is about John the Baptist and it is his conversation with the people who came out to the Jordan River to be baptized by him. Rather a harsh message and then some specific and personal applications to the crowd that had come to hear him and to be baptized and to be affected by what he said. Beginning with verse 7, John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And then skipping to verse 12. Tax collectors also came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? He replied, don't extort money And don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. This past week, we looked at a definition of stealing. Stealing is taking something unjustly from the owner with the purpose of depriving the owner of his rightful possessions. We examined stealing to see how it looked to God. In other words, seeing stealing as God sees it. We looked at it to understand the impact of stealing and theft upon our world and our relationships. As John the Baptist demonstrated in the words that he spoke to those who came out to him for baptism, believers are to produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And the interesting thing about his baptism of these people and his addressing their own personal situations is that the two situations that are addressed, tax collectors and soldiers, specifically deal with the issue of stealing. Tax collectors, taking more than you are owed. What is that? Stealing. Soldiers, extorting money. If you don't give me this money, we won't protect you or we will harm you. Stealing, again. And so we see in this example that stealing has its own particular implications and applications to individual lives. It hits each one of us in a different place based upon where we live and work. But we have to realize as we examine stealing that there is more to be stolen than just money and possessions. That is, for instance, the stealing of definition goes farther than that. That's, for instance, why we have patents and copyrights. That is why we have time clocks, yet people figure out ways to steal by getting around whatever measures are used to prevent theft. There are many other kinds of stealing. Stealing the writing of others, the name for this is plagiarism. Stealing others' ideas and claiming that they are our own, this may be patent infringement. Stealing is taking the products of others and producing them ourselves with knockoff brand names. This goes on constantly and frequently. This past summer, I purchased several pens that were supposedly Mont Blanc pens, and I have my doubts. It is also stealing to take the work of a fellow student or the work of some faceless book hidden deep in the recesses of the library and pass that work on as your own. That is called cheating. It is also stealing to be paid for a job that we do not do, or do not bother doing right, or to be paid by the hour and spend our time doing something else than seeing to the business of the person who has employed us. As we look at the faces of stealing, stealing, we recognize more and more that it is deeply woven into the fabric of our society. How do we turn from stealing? How do we avoid it? I would like to look at some particular and practical applications. How we turn from stealing? How we avoid it? First and foremost, this, as many of them do, covers every aspect of the question. If you and I have stolen from someone in any way, we need to confess our sin. We need to give back, to repay what we have stolen. An incident from childhood that had a profound effect upon me was when my family was visiting friends in Philadelphia. My brother David and I were allowed to go outside. David's about a year and a half, year and three quarters, two years older than I am. We were allowed to go outside and move my parents' big Kingswood Estate Chevy station wagon from under the basketball backboard in order to shoot baskets. I guess we were about 12 and 14. I can't place the age. David was permitted to move the car. He was given the keys. And by my cajolery, he let me get in and move it. Well, (laughs) unfortunately, move it I did. (laughs) And I moved it right into the driver's side Rear bumper of our host's car, <laughs> and that car just sort of lifted up. I remember seeing it lift up, and my brother David was out there, as only older brothers can do, just acting as though I had torn the world down with my bare hands. No, oh, no, And I, I was like, I just, I just moved it a little bit. Never having been behind the wheel of a car or having gotten in an accident before, I didn't realize. Exactly what I'd done. That's not the bad part. The bad part is that we lied about it. Now, you can't imagine how difficult it is. You may have been in a similar circumstance. It was terrible being in these people's home, their guests, lying about this dent that happened to their car. <laughs> oh boy. <coughs> It took some doing. And of course, my parents were used to us being truthful, and so they were, didn't really think it could have been us when we said it wasn't, and that made it even worse. Some years later, it was incumbent upon me to let that family know how I, would, how I had stolen from them, and their insurance company, who had doubtless had to pay a portion of the, that repair, and send them money to pay for that long-forgotten accident. It was long-forgotten to them, but it was a burden that weighed heavily on me to that day and beyond. We must right our wrongs in this area. And there is further nothing quite like the relief of knowing that we have righted our wrongs in this area. It's a terrible thing to contemplate doing. These people were extremely close friends of my parents. and. Sandy says, she's never, ever seen my mother nervous. But when this lady came to visit, Sandy said, there was a first (laughs) when we lived in Illinois. But uh, the thought to me of saying, yes, I did that, was horrendous. But the relief of having said it and having repaid it, there was nothing to compare with it. The only way for us to right our wrongs in this area is through repentance before God, acknowledging our sins before those whom we have wronged, repaying the theft. Another overarching principle, a clear one in any question of moral or ethical issues, is that we need to employ the golden rule as Christ defined it. Yes, the golden rule is in Scripture. It's due unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's called the golden rule. This will teach us not to consider how you and I can get the most out of any sort of deal, but instead teach us so that we can see that both sides get the value out of any sort of transaction. We will be concerned not just that we get what we want, but that the other person gets something valuable to him or to her as well. We do not want, for instance, to buy a lemon of a car unknowingly, neither should we seek to sell a lemon of a car to some poor unsuspecting person. If we employ sound business practices in our business that keep us from being taken advantage of, then we should see that we do not teach or take advantage of others. One of the ways in which we can examine this question is to ask if we are considering, considering the use of our time or our money or our possessions, who has a right to this? Who deserves it? Now, it seems to be a somewhat contradictory statement to say when we are considering our time, our money, our possessions, they belong to us, right? Then how could we steal them from someone else? Well, it's clear in Scripture that God charged the Israelites with stealing from him because they kept their own money when he had required them to give a portion of it to him for his work. So those things that we consider our own are also things that we can be stealing from other people. I know oftentimes that I have to examine the work I do. You have to examine the work you do. I have to examine the work I do not only to make sure that I'm not stealing from the church in the use of my time, but also that I'm not stealing from my family in the use of my time. Because I, as any one of us, can do selfish things, to hoard everything for myself, do spend my time on the things that I alone enjoy, and deprive those who have a rightful use of my time from them. We don't frequently think of stealing time in those senses. But we need to ask, who has a right to this? Who deserves this? This was the question that Jesus asked when he was faced with, With a question regarding whether or not the people should pay taxes to the Romans. He said, Whose face is on this coin? Caesar's. Therefore, pay to Caesar what is owed to Caesar, pay to God what is owed to God. A puzzling question, right? Well, how do you know what is owed to God? We're talking about Caesar and God, is God's face on everything? One of the ways in which we can do this is by saying, Who has a claim to this? Does someone other than me, myself, have a claim to this? If they do, I need to make sure that I pay it. We need further to seek to protect the interest of those who are vulnerable. Now, you'll find I'm using a lot of illustrations. This is a very practical message. It's designed to help us to think about what we do in our everyday lives. Think about our dealings with others. Think about our relations with others so that not only do we not steal, but we also try to promote others not stealing, try to prevent stealing. Several summers ago, a group of men came to my mother's home telling her that her rolled rubber roofing on her garage needed a coat of tar to keep it resilient and waterproof. Now, the reason you get rolled rubber roofing many of you probably know this, but it's so that you do not have to put anything else on your roof. It's self-sustaining. It lasts and it lasts and it lasts. Well, my mother didn't know anything about this. <clears throat> and they gave her a price, which she accepted, of thirty-seven fifty per gallon of coating, they said. They estimated it would require two gallons. I got a call here at the church after things had moved along. There were four of these men... They coated the roof quickly in less than 2 hours. I guess it was within an hour. They presented her for a bill with a bill for $2000. They agreed in conversation with her that if she gave them $1500 cash that they would rebate part of the cost. In other words, it wouldn't be $2000, it would only be 1500. So she went to the bank to fulfill her part of the agreement and returned home with $1,500 in cash. I'm just telling this story. (laughs) If someone did that to your mother... (laughs) So if there's a little tension, you understand why. I tried to explain to her, and she caught on quickly. That's why she called me. I've asked her please to call me because... Sometimes people wind up getting in these circumstances, and I was so glad I was here. Uh, So I explained this about rubber roofing, and I told her that she needed to call the police and tell them to come back because the four men had left and said they'd return in such and such a time to receive payment. Well, while we were talking on the phone, her doorbell rang. And she sent my 86-pound, 5-foot-tall aunt, who's in her latter 70s, but who is tough as nails because she spent all her life in Flushing, New York, New York. (laughs) She sent her to the door to handle these big burly fellows who were demanding $1,500 in cash from two little old women. That's the way they saw it. My mother and my aunt. So I quickly got off the phone and I called the county police and the the city police, where my mother lived, from here in Bristol, and by the time they arrived, those men were long gone. Fortunately, some of the men from the neighborhood came over, and they're tough, and they stayed around a while. You and I should make it a practice to help those who are more vulnerable. Heaven help us. If we do something like this to someone else who is vulnerable. But more importantly, you and I should see to it that we help to protect those who are vulnerable, to see that we not only do not steal from them because they are vulnerable, but to see that we protect the interests of those who are easy prey to unscrupulous people. We need to watch our payment of bills and payment of workers. If you and I fail to think about others as the golden rule requires, then perhaps we won't consider it a big deal if we owe the man who came to repair our refrigerator $30. Or if we owe someone else an amount that seems to us a minuscule amount. That's nothing. I mean, Certainly he can wait until I pay him for it. This is the sort of thing that many large companies and oftentimes wealthy people do. They make the people... Lower down the ladder, financially speaking, wait on money. <clears throat> there are a few things more unjust than this. If we consider others, maybe we will be quick to realize that what seems like a small amount to us may be the next day's meal for the person whom we have not paid. We need to remember that in Scripture we are told that God watches out for the unpaid workmen. We are told in Scripture, do not withhold money that is due. Do not hold the, the wages of the workman overnight. In other words, when that money is due, you and I must pay it. Otherwise, we are stealing from that person. One of the things that has disturbed me from time to time, and I'm sure you've been in similar circumstances is going out to dinner with Christians, and back back in the days when we used to do this a little more frequently than we do it now, um, praying at the dinner table at the restaurant, and then leaving, knowing that if the, if the bill was split, that on the other side of the table there was little or no tip left. We would be better off as Christians Going into a restaurant and not praying if that was our intent. Because what we are saying to people through that is, I'm a Christian when we pray at the dinner table. And if we pray at the dinner table and make that message loud and clear and we get up and we do not pay to the server what he or she deserves, then we are proclaiming loudly and clearly that the Christ that we serve is a cheapskate. He's not only a cheapskate, he is not generous, he does not pay his debts, he does not consider other people and what they might lay claim to. And how wrong it is when Christians allow the Lord to appear in the light of a thief, a cheat, or a miser. How wonderful it is, however, when people see that Christians pray thanking God for their meals and also thanks those who serve them not only with words but also in a tangible way with a tip that says thank you. You and I need to beware and be cautious of the virus that encourages people to get rich quick or get something for nothing. And I won't say more about that than to repeat it. Beware and be cautious of the virus that encourages people to get rich quick or get something for nothing. Because in that situation, people take shortcuts. And the shortcut is stealing. You I really need to avoid anything that might lead us to steal. The Proverbs are full of warnings regarding the friends that we cultivate. This past week in Knoxville, there was evidence of this sort of situation. And there's evidence of this situation in our newspapers, in our news, on a daily basis. Three young people as the testimony has it. Three young people went into a radio shack and killed the manager. These three teenagers, who were said to have committed the crime, were apprehended apprehended in Ohio. Now, the sad thing about this crime, and many crimes of this sort, is that there was probably one of them who was champing at the bit, eager to do something like this, not reluctant in any way, shape, or form, and two others were dragged along. Now, they may have been dragged along willingly, but nonetheless, the habits and the ways and the psyche of that one who was eager to do and did commit that wicked deed sucked others in with him. You and I need to pick our friends carefully. This is the lesson from this. For you young people particularly, be very wary and cautious of friends who suggest that you rip off exams, sports equipment, money, or anything else. They'll start out trying to make you join them in envying something that someone else has. He's got this, or don't you wish you got those good grades uh, like he gets them? Don't you wish we could do that? By that method, they are seeking to get you on their side in wanting something that is not yours. They'll joke about it as though talking about stealing or doing it is a laughing matter. When you can make people laugh about it, then you can make them do it. That doesn't mean that all laughing about something means you're going to do it. They'll try to tell you that it really isn't any big deal, that everyone steals, that the person that you want to steal from will simply replace what you stole, for instance, with insurance money. When you hear these suggestions from those you consider your friends, be forewarned. That's the time to leave and to associate yourself with different friends. Because these are lies, and they encourage stealing. You and I must remember always that just because everyone does it does not mean that God wants it done. You and I need to remember that stealing is not a joking matter because it angers God and it hurts others. <clears throat> and you and I need to remember even that insurance isn't free. We all pay insurance. I was informed several years ago that my health insurance is a third higher than it would be because I'm paying for people who are uninsured through my insurance that's fine I understand that but insurance is not free there is no such thing as a free lunch someone always pays for the theft of others we must not only watch our friends we must watch our habits habits are like broken in shoes no matter how uncomfortable they felt when you first started wearing them if you wear them long enough you won't be comfortable wearing any other shoes gambling is just such a habit now today is a good day to look into the habit of gambling because many people are betting and have bet and will bet on the results of the Super Bowl and the spread just as they gamble on the results of the lottery in any and every other situation that comes our way on a day-to-day basis. Getting involved in these situations and developing this habit leads to the loss of lots of money. And it encourages people, whether they've won or lost, to gamble more money either because they think they are on a roll and cannot lose or because they have lost so much money that they are sure that their luck has to change and they will catch up. Others get caught in the habit of drinking and or drugs. These are expensive and progressive habits. Wade in them. Pretty soon you will want to go swimming all the way. Beyond that, you will be over your head in debt. And when you have to satisfy your thirst or fill your cravings for drugs, you have to find the money somehow. And stealing, of course, comes up. We may think, you and I may think, I'm comfortable. He hasn't yet stomped on where I live with regard to these habits. But our habit may easily be, be that we want to constantly have a new fashion statement. That we want to impress ourselves with what we own or other people with our situations. And as a result, we find ourselves spending more and more money to keep up and to keep the impression before other people. And before long, we'll find that the charge card is overloaded and there is no legal way to keep up with the debt. Others merely like the thrill of excitement, and we don't frequently consider this as stealing, and I was thankful to read a commentary on Kyle and Dalich which which brought up this specific aspect of stealing. Others merely seek the thrill of excitement, so they steal from people, By destroying their possessions through vandalism. The thrill is in not getting caught. Certainly, there are better ways to get your kicks than to make property unfit for anyone to use or enjoy. The surest way to avoid stealing is to refuse to be entrapped by any master save the Lord. Remember that. We are told that in Scripture. We are not to become servants to anything other than the Lord whether it is bad friendships or your attachment to money and the things that money can buy. Never start stealing and you won't have to stop. This is true of all of the commandments. We need to put our foot down on the first small, tiny steps of encroachment of sin and stop it at that point. Some begin in a small way, taking, borrowing, borrowing is this was always when i was in school this was always the term hey can i borrow 50 cents from you perhaps the amount's gone up but the thing still holds people borrow money from their friends hey I, i'd like a coat can i borrow 50 cents can I borrow a dollar? well well when you're approached by that you know it doesn't mean borrow does it it means free gift <laughs> Some begin in this small way by borrowing money from friends, for instance, at school and never giving thought to paying it back. Others take money from their mother's purse or their father's coin tray without asking. Some send their personal mail on their employer's stamps or make personal calls at the expense of their employer. Any and all of these things can be habits which lead to a further lessening of our standards. Now understand, any and all of these things are wrong because they are stealing. You and I must turn, return to step one in this process of ending theft and stealing by owning up to our own theft, whatever it might be, repenting of it and repaying it. Finally, we should encourage the institution as we are talking about stealing, how to rid ourselves and our culture of it, we should encourage the institution of God's punishment for theft, which is restitution. This is something that Prison Fellowship's Chuck Colson strongly promotes. If someone steals something, not only do they pay it back, but they have to pay back double or triple or quadruple the amount. This is the sort of thing that would give people cause to think when they start considering stealing. Instead of just this faceless, nameless, I might wind up on probation or I might wind up in jail, no, you will pay it back, but you will not only have to work to earn enough to pay it back, you will have to work to earn to pay back more than you got. So maybe it would just be easier to earn it in the first place. In conclusion, we preach a message of repentance, faith, and salvation. Through our repentance and faith in Christ, we find forgiveness and the certainty of salvation from the damnation we so rightly deserve. Through the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we find that the guilt of sin is taken away from us, whatever it might be, whether it's stealing or breaking any of the other Ten Commandments or any sin against God. This is why we are gathered together as a church, because we do not proclaim the Ten Commandments and say, once you have failed, you are damned. We say... God is a God of forgiveness. Trust in Christ and repent. He will take the sin away from you and me as he has done through repentance and will continue to do and he will lead us to salvation. Let's pray. Dear Father, we ask that you would cause us to see the true weight of this sin of stealing, that you would convict our own hearts where we have sinned in this manner, in this matter, Cause us to repent of this sin in our hearts and to repent before those we have wronged, to make right our wrongs, to live in righteousness, not stealing, but to giving to each what is his due. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen.